I guess it's also, you know, what can we own and what should we own, right? Like, mm. what do we want to own that could, you know, potentially unlock, um, you know, not just efficiencies, right? Because I think everybody loves convenience, but what would result in better health outcomes? You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast series from the Digital Health Council, where we aim to support healthcare innovation by disseminating knowledge of expert leaders at the Royal Society of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Marla Morkin. Welcome back. And in this episode, we speak with Debbie about the intersection of Web3 and healthcare, as she's a founder in both sectors. Debbie has spent her career both investing in and building multi-million dollar consumer businesses and is now co-founder of Hug alongside Randy Zuckerberg. Hug is a Web3 platform that supports creators and collectors through its community and growth initiatives. For example, through a curate-to-earn discovery platform for NFTs. We discuss consumer health, the potential of owning our own healthcare records, and also the importance of having family medical history on the blockchain. As always, all views expressed in the episode are of the speakers themselves. Enjoy. I'm so excited for this episode. We were just speaking offline specifically about why, because this season we're really trying to highlight Web3 and healthcare and try and understand that intersection a tiny bit more. So people can kind of have a bit of a background as to where this industry is going. And you're amazing because you've spent time in both industries, right? And not only spend time, You've been a founder in both industries. So, I mean, could you tell us a little bit about your background, how you've ended up going from digital health into Web3? And yeah, let's take it from there. Yeah, gosh, I mean, and, and I mean, it's funny because I would say I wouldn't consider myself having lots of experience in, in either of those things. Um, my background's <laughs> actually in finance. Um, you know, I, I went to school for economics, financial engineering, so I've studied uh, my career actually on the investment side of things where I was an investor for seven years. Um, and I guess somewhere in, in the middle of all of that, I was really drawn to startups. So, you know, I found my very first startup um, about three years into my finance job as a side hustle, and it was an indoor cycling studio. So my passion really at the time was very much around health and wellness. Um, but, you know, really from, you know, how can we take better care of ourselves? Um, and, you know, I always wanted to do it in a fun way. Um, I kind of ended up, you know, continuing on the investment um, track for a little bit before I then pivoted more into startups for full time for, you know, I guess for now it's been uh, four or five years or so of being full time into startups. Um, and it's always been across a variety of things, um, you know, whether it was um, around like esports or um, e-commerce. So, you know, really a lot of different types of consumer businesses. And I guess Somewhere around last year, or I guess about like 15 months ago, I moved to LA, um, was starting to look for a new business to found. And that's when I found myself getting drawn back into health and wellness and specifically around women's health. So it was really in all of last year where I felt really fired up by all of the inequities that we were seeing, um, you know, in, in the health space. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I myself, I've been diagnosed with PCOS and I was like, you know, why was my experience so, um, you know, I mean, so awful, you know, basically went to see my OBGYN, basically got thrown like a bunch of birth control pills and I was like, all right, good luck, you're on your way. Oh, um, and, so, <laughs> and so all of last year, I was really trying to um, figure out how I, could, how I could better solve that problem and really doing it through food. Um, so the business I was building last year was really about how we're using food as um, as therapy in a way to really help women um, manage their chronic conditions. Um, I guess unfortunately that um, that 
it was pretty hard to get funding for that business. Uh, you know, my co-founder and I, uh, you know, unfortunately had to make a really difficult decision in terms of, you know, deciding that, you know, maybe it just wasn't a time for the product or, uh, you know, it's time for us to spend our time doing something else. And that was really when I started getting into the whole, like falling into the Web3 rabbit hole. Um, and I would say that a lot of that motivation really came from all of my work in women's health as well, because, you know, I had spent all this time just really, like I said, being fired up about how like inequitable the space was. And I was realizing that there was um, basically a similar problem, you know, even in the world of Web3 or even in terms of financial equity. And so that's when I got really passionate about supporting women in Web3. Uh, I, I guess in this case, I kind of went back to my roots of when I was an investor, I primarily invested in consumer companies. So I was particularly drawn to NFTs because I saw NFTs really just as another form of consumer goods that just existed on the blockchain as opposed to something that you could touch and feel. Uh, and so, you know, it was a really scary, but also exciting transition for me. Um, and, you know, I'm very, very happy to be building in this space with once again, an overarching mission of, you know, improving, um, you know, equity for women and, and other marginalized communities. Oh my gosh, that is absolutely incredible. And I mean, I've seen it written out, but just hearing that story and that transition is just, just so incredible to hear. And something that really struck me was your was your passion and your experience for for, for the consumer-led approach, right? And for really understanding where these trends are going and, and, and why it's happening. And, and I wonder if you could kind of talk us through, I mean, one of the questions we always ask on this is why don't people take responsibility for their healthcare? How can we get people to take responsibility for their healthcare? And when you're kind of talking about like consumer lens and and with your with your old startup that you had started, I mean, is is consumer health uh, needed and like a play for that for in order to web three to kind of come into this space? I mean, where do you see the intersection happening? Yeah, I mean, I think I was always really excited about building in consumer health because, you know, I always feel that at the end of the day, um, you know, we have in healthcare, we obviously have institutions that we have to kind of get through in terms of regulations that are in place in the U.S., especially this very complicated um, insurance policies, which frankly, like, I don't even get, um, you know, being new to the country um, <laughs> as well. Um, you know, and obviously in Singapore, we were really um, fortunate to have a really solid um, healthcare system to make things in general pretty easy to navigate. Um, but I would say that at the end of the day, it's way more powerful if a consumer were to take their matters into their own hands and to really approach healthcare from the position of wellness, which is something that I've always felt really strongly about. And it's about be, it's about preventative care. Um, and it's about really taking ownership and what's happening to our bodies as opposed to, you know, seeking help when, you know, when it's, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately too late. And I mean, I guess in, in that same way, um, you know, I think that same theme of ownership is something that I really kind of see moving from the healthcare space into Web3, because I think as what everybody says about Web3, why it's so different from what we've been used to is that for the first time in our lives, we can produce something and, and be incentivized by ownership. And hopefully that aligns all the incentives and incentives of all the players in the system to, you know, really result in the best possible outcome. Aligning the incentives by giving ownership is so interesting because it's really making me think here because we own our own bodies. We are in, you know, this is inherently the one thing we do own. And yet, why do we have to go and take back ownership of our own health? Sounds really interesting here. I don't, that's not a question, but I don't know. I don't, do you have any thoughts here on like how we can oh. make that step and bridge it? 
Gosh, I, I mean, I know, I mean, I know of a number of people who have been on working on really interesting things about um, ownership of our health data in order to mm -hmm. further research. Um, and, you know, like, especially for, um, and, you know, you probably know about this better than I do, but, you know, obviously certain areas of healthcare are just not very um, heavily funded because that's mm -hmm. just not a lot of, it could be systemic reasons. It could be because it's a very um, rare condition and hence it doesn't require that amount of funding. But what if, um, you know, I had ownership of my health data and I was contributing to this research and sharing that data so that, um, you know, we could solve, we could help with that um, cost of gathering all of this information, patient information in order to run these um, clinical studies and trials, right? So I think, um, you know, last year when I was working on my women's health product, we were focused on a lot of chronic conditions that were specific to women or that affected women in different ways. And I think a lot of the challenges that, um, that we came across in terms of speaking to medical professionals was that there just wasn't a lot of data on it or there just wasn't a lot of research or funding, anything around, for example, endometriosis, which you know probably affects like one in 10 women, but unfortunately is so poorly understood um, because mm -hmm. there isn't funding to get women to, you know, volunteer their data or to really study it in a thoughtful way. Um, but what if in this case, you know, women, they know that they own their health data, they're there to contribute it, and they're there at least solving that data collection piece. But, you know, as a result, they also get um, access to the upside when certain breakthroughs are, are reached and created. And I like that because that, that brings us on to that other point that you were speaking about earlier, your passion of of solving some of these some of these social inequalities but also you know from here it could be these healthcare inequalities that people are people are facing around the world right now because if you fundamentally have ownership over your of your own healthcare data then it gives you a podium to then be able to to have a seat at the table here when making decisions about your your own healthcare i mean let's take a step back from health for a second is there anything that you've seen within web3 that can kind of demonstrate this this play for for social mobility and social access within within Web three and how it's allowing people to to have that seat at the table. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I mean, I think it's really fascinating how we can leverage the power of the community in Web three to really um, you know make big seismic movements in the entire space. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I like to say, um, and one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this is because, uh, you know, we're still, we're all still so early in Web3. And just as how, like, you know, I think when we were growing up, you know, Web1, Web2, it was kind of there, right? So it was there for us to just use as a consumer. We didn't really have a voice in terms of, you know, how we wanted something to be different. You know, we didn't have a voice in terms of how, I don't know, Instagram would have changed the algorithm and how it would help with the discovery. Uh, but I think now we're in this position where, you know, we can take ownership in a lot of the things that we're building. We can take ownership in the content that we're producing. So, mm. um, so for example, at Hug, which is the um, company that I've, I've recently uh, founded now, uh, we, we are building, uh, I guess, essentially the world's first curate to earn discovery platform for NFTs. Um, so I like to liken it to a Rotten Tomatoes or Yelp of NFTs where users would come onto the platform and they would contribute research and reviews so that it would help other people with their learnings um, on, on NFTs and decide what projects to collect or what projects to invest in. Um, and I think in the past, there wasn't really an incentive for, my, for me to do my research and share it with some of the people, right? Like, um, like I, I mean, I could be doing it just because it's fun to have a conversation, but it won any other um, incentives there. Whereas now with Web3, I can reward users for sharing that research. I can reward users for sharing those reviews. Um, and I think that's a really um, interesting unlock just because of, you know, 
all of the, um, now everybody's um, incentives, as you said, are aligned. Everybody's working towards the common goal because everybody knows that they stand to benefit from the same outcome. Wow, that's really flipping this whole thing on its head, isn't it? Really changing the game. So let's say I'm a, um, a, let's say I'm a founder and I'm listening to this podcast now and I'm thinking, I don't know what Web3 is. I really need to understand this thing. How is it going to interact with some of these problems that I'm facing within building a healthcare organization or digital health? I mean, what things would you say people should keep their eye on, get involved in, et cetera, to, to be ready for when healthcare and Web3 has that intersection? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would take a step back. First of all, if somebody's new to Web3 and it's like, you know, what on earth is Web3? I think the, the easiest way of, of, of um, explaining it for me has always been um, Web1 was about reading. So you're just reading whatever is being um, offered to you. Um, in Web2, we could read and write. So, you know, we can contribute our own content. We can um, share things um, on the internet with our friends. Um, and then Web3 is really about reading, writing, and owning. So really owning whatever that is for writing. So I would say that even in healthcare, I would look at within the system, what are the things that we can own, right? Um, and I think, like I said, it's always tricky, especially country to country. I'm sure the regulations differ. Um, but I think um, one of the things that you know we've even talked about in the past was that um, when you change doctors, your medical records are held with that one doctor and it's so like inconvenient to pick up the phone and call that doctor to transfer all of those records to you know somebody else. Um, even, gosh, even I have a dog, so even in, in pet care, right? Moving from Singapore, I had to, you know, pick up the phone, call my vet in Singapore, have all of those like facts over, emailed over to my no. new vets in the US, oh, right? So, my gosh. yeah, so it's just <laughs> an incredibly, you know, inefficient process. Um, you know, obviously it's prone to human errors as well. So, what are the opportunities here where we could own our own healthcare data and know that, um, you know, this is on the blockchain? So, we know that this is truth. Um, I guess another, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I, I guess it. it also sparked another, um, I guess, ideal of things that we had talked about was that um, what's really hard to find is also our medical history from our, our and especially from our family history. So honestly, mm. I have no real idea. Like I have a sense of, you know, obviously what my parents on my dad's high blood pressure, for example, but beyond that, I have no idea what my grandparents, what kind of health, um, healthcare ailments they had. Um, and I think it's suddenly, you know, really valuable to have all the information on the blockchain and being able to transfer it, you know, from one place to another, just knowing that, you know, you own that. Wow. I feel like if anyone's listening this far into the podcast, they've got some real good business ideas here. They might have to, <laughs> might have to go back and get funding from you or something from all of your past experience. But I loved what you said there. Go away and think about what can we own? And I think that's such a good takeaway for anyone that's thinking about getting into the space, thinking about building something in healthcare. There is a place to start. It's just by looking at what we've got now and thinking, what can, what can we own? Um, what can what can we anything else you want to leave our listeners to uh, with today? Well, I mean, I guess I mean that's such a lovely way to sum it up. I guess it's also you know what can we own and what should we own, right? Like, what mm. do we want to own that could you know potentially unlock um, you know not just efficiencies, right? Because I think everybody loves convenience, but what would result in better health outcomes? And I think um, you know I think that other thing that I would add is that we are still so early in this space that I think we are just as collectively trying to understand the technology but it's it's you know it's one thing to understand the technology and another thing to think about how can we expand from that technology and what 
other opportunities that technology unlocks for us. And so I think it's like a great, you know, thought exercise. Like I'm going to go back and think about it too, because I just think that um, there's so much um, that we still have yet to uncover. Wow. Well, you've heard it here first. There is so much going to cover. We're going to go do it now as well. We've all got homework. So um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where's the best way to reach out or learn more about Hug or anything else that you're up to in the space? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to um, reach me now is on Twitter. It's so funny because I still haven't updated my LinkedIn. Um, so it, I think it's indicative of how far I've come along in the whole Web3 space. But yeah, the best way to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Deb Soon. That's D-E-B-S-O-O-N. And you can also find out more about Hug on Twitter as well. Our handle is the Hug XYZ. So T-H-E-H-U-G-X-Y-Z on Twitter. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, and I really, really hope we can host you down at the Royal Society of Medicine when you come down to the UK soon, hopefully. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Debbie. I had a wonderful time speaking with her and I hope it's inspired you to come on down to some of our Royal Society of Medicine events that we've got coming up, both virtually and in person. You can find out more information about the upcoming events on the Royal Society of Medicine's website. Bye for now.